going to talk about a coward. This is the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, and coming to you from Riverside, California, podcasting since 2004, I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we're reading through the entire Bible in a year. Welcome. I hope you're well today, and I'm so glad you're here. If you're new to these parts, I want you to know that you are family. We don't have listeners here. We have family. And in a well-functioning family, family members participate. They contribute ideas and talents when called for, and they share when they're hurting, and they rejoice together over happy events. That's what we do here. We share prayer requests and praises at prayer.lifespringmedia.com. And when those come in, I pray for each one in my private prayer time and I share them here on the show so that we can agree together as we take them as a family to God. And you won't hear any advertisements on the show. Why? Well, because advertisers are uncomfortable with the discussion of the uncompromising Word of God. Advertising invites censorship, and I will not change the message just so that some people won't have their toes stepped on. So, with no advertisers, the only way this works is value for value. If the show has value for you, all I ask is that you decide how valuable the show is to you. Then convert that to a number. The number is up to you. Then go to lifespringmedia.com support and send that to me easy to do and if you have one of the new modern podcast apps you can stream support directly to me in the form of satoshi as you listen once you set that up in any podcast app that you'll find over at newpodcastapps.com it just happens automatically you hardly have to think about it again my personal favorite app right now for streaming sats is castomatic but fountain is also good as well as breeze and several others Check them out, and if you don't care for one, try another. They're all mostly free. Today our reading is Jeremiah 37 through 41, and I'm calling the episode The Cowardly Mob. If you'd like to comment on today's show, the show notes page for doing that is at lifespringmedia.com s12e137. All right, let's get started. Jeremiah chapter 37. Zedekiah, son of Josiah, succeeded Jeconiah, son of Jehoiakim, as king. He was elevated to the throne of the land of Judah by King Zebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Neither he nor the officials who served him nor the people of Judah paid any attention to what the Lord said through the prophet Jeremiah. King Zedekiah sent Jehuchal, son of Shalamiah, and the priest Zephaniah, son of Maaseah, to the prophet Jeremiah. He told him to say, Please pray to the Lord our God on our behalf. Now Jeremiah had not yet been put in prison, so he was still free to come and go among the people as he pleased. At that time the Babylonian forces had temporarily given up their siege against Jerusalem. They had had it under siege, but withdrew when they heard that the army of Pharaoh had set out from Egypt. The Lord gave the prophet Jeremiah a message for them. He told them to tell them, The Lord God of Israel says, Give a message to the king of Judah who sent you to ask me to help him. Tell him, The army of Pharaoh that was on its way to help you will go back home to Egypt. Then the Babylonian forces will return. They will attack the city and will capture it and burn it down. Moreover, I, the Lord, warn you not to deceive yourselves into thinking that the Babylonian forces will go away and leave you alone, for they will not go away. For even if you were to defeat all the Babylonian forces fighting against you so badly that only wounded men were left lying in their tents, they would get up and burn this city down. 
The following events also occurred while the Babylonian forces had temporarily withdrawn from Jerusalem because the army of Pharaoh was coming. Jeremiah started to leave Jerusalem to go to the territory of Benjamin. He wanted to make sure he got his share of the property that was being divided up among his family there. But he only got as far as the Benjamin Gate. There, an officer in charge of the guards named Irijah, who was the son of Shalemiah and the grandson of Hananiah, stopped him. He seized Jeremiah and said, You are deserting to the Babylonians. Jeremiah answered, That's a lie. I am not deserting to the Babylonians. But Irijah would not listen to him. Irijah put Jeremiah under arrest and took him to the officials. The officials were very angry at Jeremiah. They had him flogged and put in prison in the house of Jonathan, the royal secretary, which they had converted into a place for confining prisoners. So Jeremiah was put in prison, in a cell, in the dungeon in Jonathan's house. He was kept there for a long time. Then King Zedekiah had him brought to the palace. There he questioned him privately and asked him, Is there any message from the Lord? Jeremiah answered, Yes, there is. Then he announced, You will be handed over to the king of Babylon. Then Jeremiah asked King Zedekiah, What crime have I committed against you, or the officials who serve you, or the people of Judah? What have I done to make you people throw me into prison? Where now are the prophets who prophesied to you that the king of Babylon would not attack you or this land? But now please listen, your royal majesty, and grant my plea for mercy. Do not send me back to the house of Jonathan, the royal secretary. If you do, I'll die there. Then King Zedekiah ordered that Jeremiah be committed to the courtyard of the guardhouse. He also ordered that a loaf of bread be given to him every day from the baker's street until all the bread in the city was gone. So Jeremiah was kept in the courtyard of the guardhouse. Jeremiah chapter 38 Now Shephatiah son of Matan, Gedaliah son of Pasher, Jehuchal son of Shalemiah, and Pasher son of Malchijah, had heard the things that Jeremiah had been telling the people. They had heard him say, The Lord says, Those who stay in this city will die in battle or of starvation or of disease. Those who leave the city and surrender to the Babylonians will live. They will escape with their lives. They had also heard him say, The Lord says, This city will certainly be handed over to the army of the king of Babylon. They will capture it. So these officials said to the king, This man must be put to death. For he is demoralizing the soldiers who were left in the city, as well as all the other people there, by these things he's saying. This man is not seeking to help these people, but is trying to harm them. King Zedekiah said to them, Very well, you can do what you want with him, for I cannot do anything to stop you. So the officials took Jeremiah and put him in the cistern of Malchijah, one of the royal princes that was in the courtyard of the guardhouse. There was no water in the cistern, only mud. So when they lowered Jeremiah into the cistern with ropes, he sank in the mud. An Ethiopian, Ebed-Melech, a court official in the royal palace, heard that Jeremiah had been put in the cistern. While the king was holding court at the Benjamin gate, Ebed-Melech departed the palace and went to speak to the king. He said to him, Your royal majesty, those men have been very wicked in all that they have done to the prophet Jeremiah. They have thrown him into a cistern, and he is sure to die of starvation there because there is no food left in the city. Then the king gave Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian the following order, Take thirty men with you from here and go pull the prophet Jeremiah out of the cistern before he dies. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went to a room under the treasure room in the palace. He got some worn-out clothes and old rags from there and let them put down ropes to Jeremiah in the cistern. Ebed-Melech called down to Jeremiah, 
Put these rags and worn-out clothes under your armpits to pad the ropes. Jeremiah did as Ebed-Melech instructed. So they pulled Jeremiah up from the cistern with ropes. Jeremiah, however, still remained confined to the courtyard of the courthouse. Sometime later, Zedekiah sent and had Jeremiah brought to him at the third entrance of the Lord's temple. The king said to Jeremiah, I would like to ask you a question. Do not hide anything from me when you answer. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, If I answer you, you will certainly kill me. If I give you advice, you will not listen to me. So King Zedekiah made a secret promise to Jeremiah and sealed it with an oath. He promised, As surely as the Lord lives who has given us life and breath, I promise you this, I will not kill you or hand you over to those men who want to kill you. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, The Lord, the God who rules over all, the God of Israel, says, You must surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon. If you do, your life will be spared, and this city will not be burned down. Indeed, you and your whole family will be spared. But if you do not surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, this city will be handed over to the Babylonians, and they will burn it down. You yourself will not escape from them. Then King Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Judeans who have deserted to the Babylonians. The Babylonians might hand me over to them, and they will torture me. Then Jeremiah answered, You will not be handed over to them. Please obey the Lord by doing what I have been telling you. Then all will go well with you, and your life will be spared. But if you refuse to surrender, the Lord has shown me a vision of what will happen. Here is what I saw. All the women who are left in the royal palace of Judah will be led out to the officers of the king of Babylon. They will taunt you, saying, Your trusted friends misled you. They have gotten the best of you. Now that your feet are stuck in the mud, they have turned their backs on you. All your wives and your children will be turned over to the Babylonians. You yourself will not escape from them, but will be captured by the king of Babylon. The city will be burned down. Then Zedekiah told Jeremiah, Do not let anyone know about the conversation we've had. If you do, you'll die. The officers may hear that I've talked with you. They may come to you and say, Tell us what you said to the king and what the king said to you. Do not hide anything from us. If you do, we'll kill you. If they do this, tell them, I was pleading with the king not to send me back to die in the dungeon of Jonathan's house. All the officials did indeed come and question Jeremiah. He told them exactly what the king had instructed him to say. They stopped questioning him any further because no one had actually heard their conversation. So Jeremiah remained in the courtyard of the guardhouse until the day Jerusalem was captured. The following events occurred when Jerusalem was captured. Jeremiah chapter 39 King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came against Jerusalem with his whole army and laid siege to it. The siege began in the tenth month of the ninth year that Zedekiah ruled over Judah. It lasted until the ninth day of the fourth month of Zedekiah's eleventh year. On that day they broke through the city walls. Then Nergal-Sherezer of Samgar, Nebo-Serakim, who was a chief officer, Nergal-Sherezer, who was a high official, and all the other officers of the king of Babylon came and set up quarters in the middle gate. When King Zedekiah of Judah and all his soldiers saw them, they tried to escape. They departed from the city during the night. They took a path through the king's garden and passed out through the gate between the two walls. Then they headed for the Jordan Valley. But the Babylonian army chased after them. They caught up with Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho and captured him. They took him to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon at Riblah in the territory of Hamath, and Nebuchadnezzar passed sentence on him there. There at Riblah, the king of Babylon had Zedekiah's sons put to death while Zedekiah was forced to watch. 
The king of Babylon also had all the nobles of Judah put to death. Then he had Zedekiah's eyes put out and had him bound in chains to be led off to Babylon. The Babylonians burned down the royal palace, the temple of the Lord, and the people's home, and they tore down the wall of Jerusalem. Then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the royal guard, took captive the rest of the people who were left in the city. He carried them off to Babylon, along with the people who had deserted to him. But he left behind in the land of Judah some of the poor people who owned nothing. He gave them fields and vineyards at that time. Now King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had issued orders concerning Jeremiah. He had passed them on through Nebuzaradan, the captain of his royal guard. Find Jeremiah and look out for him. Do not do anything to harm him, but do with him whatever he tells you. So Nebuzaradan, captain of the royal guard, Nebuchadnezzar, who was a chief officer, Nergal Sherezer, who was a high official, and all the other officers of the king of Babylon, sent and had Jeremiah brought from the courtyard of the guardhouse. They turned him over to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam and the grandson of Shaphan, to take him home with him. But Jeremiah stayed among the people. Now the Lord had spoken to Jeremiah while he was still confined in the courtyard of the guardhouse. Go and tell Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, the Lord God of Israel, who rules over all, says, I will carry out against this city what I promised. It will mean disaster and not good fortune for it. When that disaster happens, you will be there to see it. But I will rescue you when it happens. I, the Lord, affirm it. You will not be handed over to those whom you fear. I will certainly save you. You will not fall victim to violence. You will escape with your life because you trust in me. I, the Lord, affirm it. Jeremiah chapter 40 The Lord spoke to Jeremiah after Nebuzaradan, the captain of the royal guard, had set him free at Ramah. He had taken him there in chains, along with all the people from Jerusalem and Judah who were being carried off to exile in Babylon. The captain of the royal guard took Jeremiah aside and said to him, The Lord your God threatened this place with disaster. Now he has brought it about. The Lord has done just as he threatened to do. This disaster has happened because you people sinned against the Lord and did not obey him. But now, Jeremiah, today I will set you free from the chains on your wrists. If you would like to come to Babylon with me, come along and I will take care of you. But if you prefer not to come to Babylon with me, you are not required to do so. You are free to go anywhere in the land you want to go. Go wherever you choose. Before Jeremiah could turn to leave, the captain of the guard added, Go back to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam and grandson of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon appointed to govern the towns of Judah. Go back and live with him among the people, or go wherever else you choose. Then the captain of the guard gave Jeremiah some food and a present and let him go. So Jeremiah went to Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, at Mizpah, and lived there with him. He stayed there to live among the people who had been left in the land of Judah. Now some of the officers of the Judean army and their troops had been hiding in the countryside. They heard that the king of Babylon had appointed Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, to govern the country. They also heard that he had been put in charge over the men, women, and children from the poorer classes of the land who had not been carried off into exile in Babylon. So all these officers and their troops came to Gedaliah at Mizpah. The officers who came were Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, Johanan and Jonathan, the sons of Kareah, Sareah, son of Tanhumath, the sons of Ephi, the Netophathite, and Jezaniah, son of the Maacathite. Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam and grandson of Shaphan, took an oath so as to give them and their troops some assurance of safety. Do not be afraid to submit to the Babylonians. Settle down and submit to the king of Babylon. Then things will go well for you. 
I, for my part, will stay at Mizpah to represent you before the Babylonians whenever they come to us. You, for your part, go ahead and harvest the wine, the dates, the figs, and the olive oil, and store them in jars. Go ahead and settle down in the towns that you've taken over. Moreover, all the Judeans who were in Moab, Ammon, Edom, and all the other countries heard what had happened. They heard that the king of Babylon had allowed some people to stay in Judah, and that he had appointed Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam and grandson of Shaphan, to govern them. So all these Judeans returned to the land of Judah from the places where they had been scattered. They came to Gedaliah at Mizpah. Thus they harvested a large amount of wine and dates and figs. Johanan and all the officers of the troops that had been hiding in the open country came to Gedaliah at Mizpah. They said to him, Are you at all aware that King Baalus of Ammon has sent Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, to kill you? But Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, would not believe them. Then Johanan, son of Korea, spoke privately to Gedaliah there at Mizpah. Let me go and kill Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, before anyone knows about it. Otherwise he will kill you, and all the Judeans who have rallied around you will be scattered. Then what remains of Judah will disappear. But Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, said to Johanan, son of Korea, Do not do that, because what you are saying about Ishmael is not true. Jeremiah chapter 41 But in the seventh month Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah and grandson of Elishema, who was a member of the royal family and had been one of Zedekiah's chief officers, came with ten of his men to Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, at Mizpah. While they were eating a meal together with him there at Mizpah, Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, and the ten men who were with him stood up, pulled out their swords, and killed Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, and grandson of Shaphan. Thus Ishmael killed the man that the king of Babylon had appointed to govern the country. Ishmael also killed all the Judeans who were with Gedaliah at Mizpah and the Babylonian soldiers who happened to be there. On the day after Gedaliah had been murdered, before anyone even knew about it, eighty men arrived from Shechem, Shiloh, and Samaria. They had shaved off their beards, torn their clothes, and cut themselves to show they were mourning. They were carrying grain offerings and incense to present at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, went out from Mizpah to meet them. He was pretending to cry as he walked along. When he met them, he said to them, Come with me to meet Gedaliah, son of Ahikam. But as soon as they were inside the city, Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, and the men who were with him, slaughtered them and threw their bodies in a cistern. But there were ten men among them who said to Ishmael, Do not kill us, for we will give you the stores of wheat, barley, olive oil, and honey we've hidden in a field. So he spared their lives and did not kill them along with the rest. Now the cistern where Ishmael threw all the dead bodies of those he had killed was a large one that King Asa had constructed as part of his defenses against King Baasha of Israel. Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, filled it with dead bodies. Then Ishmael took captive all the people who were still left alive in Mizpah. This included the royal princesses and all the rest of the people in Mizpah that Nebuzaradan, the captain of the royal guard, had put under the authority of Gedaliah, son of Ahikam. Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, took all these people captive and set out to cross over to the Ammonites. Johanan, son of Korea, and all the army officers who were with him heard about all the atrocities that Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, had committed. So they took all their troops and went to fight against Ishmael, son of Nethaniah. They caught up with him near the large pool at Gibeon. When all the people that Ishmael had taken captive saw Johanan, son of Korea, and all the army officers with him, they were glad. All those people that Ishmael had taken captive from Mizpah turned and went over to Johanan, son of Korea. 
But Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, managed to escape from Johanan along with eight of his men, and he went on over to Ammon. Johanan, son of Korea, and all the army officers who were with him, led off all the people who had been left alive at Mizpah. They had rescued them from Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, after he killed Gedaliah, son of Ahikam. They led off the men, women, children, soldiers, and court officials whom they had brought away from Gibeon. They set out to go to Egypt to get away from the Babylonians, but stopped at Gerith Kimham, near Bethlehem. They were afraid of what the Babylonians might do because Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, had killed Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, whom the king of Babylon had appointed to govern the country. Well, today in chapter 38, beloved, Shephatiah, Gedaliah, Jehuchel, and Pasher, who were princes of Judah, didn't like the message that Jeremiah was preaching. What was he preaching? Here it is again. This is what he said. The Lord says those who stay in this city will die in battle or of starvation or disease. Those who leave the city and surrender to the Babylonians will live. They will escape with their lives. They also heard him say, the Lord says... This city will certainly be handed over to the army of the king of Babylon. They will capture it. Well, these guys, this cowardly mob, told Zedekiah, this man must be deplatformed, for he's spreading misinformation. <laughs> okay, well, that's a very loose translation. Actually, what they said was even worse. They said, this man must be put to death, for he is demoralizing the soldiers who are left in the city as well as all the other people there by these things he is saying. This man is not seeking to help these people, but is trying to harm them. Well, was Jeremiah trying to harm them? Of course not. First off, Jeremiah was telling the people exactly what God had told him to say. And the message God gave Jeremiah was their only hope of survival. How is this message harmful? Well, it isn't. And then, these princes, these paragons of truth, so full of courage, when the king wimped out and gave in to them, saying, Very well, you can do what you want with him, for I cannot do anything to stop you. <laughs> Talk about a coward. These guys didn't even have the guts to shed Jeremiah's blood themselves. They wanted him dead, but they were too cowardly to do the deed. So they had him lowered into an abandoned cistern, where he would die of exposure, starvation, or disease. This is often how the mob works, cowards. And let's take a moment and look at Jeremiah. He was following God's will implicitly, yet he was put into this terrible place. Yes, we heard that the Ethiopian official ultimately rescued him, but let's not negate Jeremiah's time in the pit. This was no picnic. It was dark. It was miserable. He was standing in a foul, disgusting muck for some period of time. We don't know exactly how long. Beloved, just because we're doing God's will does not mean that we won't have to stand in the slime from time to time. Don't let anybody tell you that you're out of God's will when the situation gets hard. I can tell you from personal experience that when you're doing your best to follow God's leading, that is the time that the enemy attacks. That's when friends will turn against you. That's when your health might fail as I sit here coughing. That's when finances go in the dumper. That's when the most unexpected things happen. If you're seeking God, fear not. Don't be discouraged. Hang on to God. He is always faithful when circumstances look bleak. Now, in Jeremiah's case, the Ethiopian, Ebed-Melech, came to the rescue and pulled him out. But I can't promise you'll be rescued in the same way. 
However, I do know that God is sovereign, and your circumstances are not beyond His control. He knows what you're going through, and He does use difficulties to strengthen you and to shape you into the man or woman He wants you to be. Just because things get hard does not mean that it's time to give up. When things get hard, it's time to look up. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Go to lifespringmedia.com s12e137 and let me know what you're thinking. Our reading tomorrow is Luke 3 and 4. Boost. <laughs> I got a boostergram today from John. He said, I'm boosting for the hilarious Fauci Wheeze clip. Glad you're back on the mic, Brother Steve. God bless. And he sent a thousand sats using the Fountain app. And John, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. It's good to be back. It'll be even better when I'm not coughing every 30 seconds. But it is wonderful to be back with you. And when I put that Fauci wheeze in there yesterday, I wondered how many people would comment on it. I thought it was kind of appropriate given my vacation report and why we had to come back early. Thanks for the boostergram, John. God bless you. On this date in church history, January 14, 1875, Albert Schweitzer was born. He was the French theologian, music scholar, physician, and medical missionary. His book, Quest of the Historical Jesus, written in 1906, is considered a foundational work in that subject. In 1913, he founded Lamborghini Hospital in French Equatorial Africa, and in 1953, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Albert Schweitzer. Prayer Requests I got an email today from Anonymous. It was a long email, a war and peace type email, and I didn't mind its length one little bit. This person shared a lot of their background and some of their challenges in a very transparent way. It really touched my heart because a lot of what they've gone through and are currently experiencing is common to most of us. We believe, but we doubt. We wonder if we're really saved. What I told this person in my reply was, the Holy Spirit grows our faith over time and through life experiences. I've gone through some very spiritually dry periods in my life when I wondered if God was really there and if he was, did he even care about me? The thing is, as I said in my reply to Anonymous, the thing is, as we go through these times, we see that He is indeed faithful, even when we are not, and our faith in Him grows. Little by little, over time, He shapes us into the man or woman He wants us to be. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Let's pray for Anonymous and for any of the LifeSpring family members who might be struggling with their faith. Listen, I'm as human as the next guy. I'm far from perfect, but I'm further down the road than a lot of you are. <laughs> I'm an old guy, but I still fail. And I've also discovered that God never fails. Never. I don't rely on my feelings to confirm my faith because my feelings ebb and they flow. My faith is not in how I feel. My faith is in God's Word. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells me that, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, 
for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And God's word tells me, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. And God's word tells me that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Beloved, Anonymous, any of you who are struggling, I could go on because I believe what God tells me in his word and because I've spent a lot of time in the word. And that's why studying and meditating on it is so crucial. And that's why this podcast exists. Let's pray for Anonymous and for any of those who are struggling right now. And also, I got uh, a report from Sean. You remember on yesterday's show, I asked him about how, uh, how he's doing. This is Sean of San Pedro. He said in a boostergram today, we've passed eight weeks in the hospital with Howie, but he's reaching new milestones and so close to going into rehab. And then he said, sorry to hear about the disappointments on your trip. I'm glad to hear that you're both recovering well. Well, we are recovering uh, fairly well. At least it's no longer COVID. It's just a nasty cold. All right, Sean, thank you for that report. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, how we thank you for revealing yourself to us through the Bible. You're not a God who hides from us. You've not made yourself mysterious and unknowable. Of course, you're far above us, and we can't know that which our minds can't comprehend, but you've given us enough to know that which you want us to know. And we know that you love us immeasurably. We know that you want us to be in relationship with you, and you've even told us how to do that. Oh, how we love you for that, Lord, and we worship you. I pray for Anonymous today and for anyone else in the LifeSpring family who might be struggling with a wavering faith. You are the author and finisher of our faith, and I ask now that you would give them an extra measure of faith today. Show yourself to be worthy of their trust. Show yourself to be strong enough to support them when they're weak. Give them an unquenchable thirst for your word, Lord, that they might get to know you better. I thank you, Lord, for Howie's progress, and I ask that you continue that progress. Help him to get into rehab so that he'll be that much closer to returning home. And Lord, I ask that you encourage Anne, his wife, today. I know this has to be so very difficult for her not to have Howie at home with her. Be with her and hold her in your arms, Lord. Show yourself to be an undeniable source of hope and healing, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved, when you send your prayer requests in, I will pray for you in my daily private prayer time, and we'll pray together on the show. All you have to do is go to prayer.lifespringmedia.com, or you'll find an easy-to-fill-out form there. You can tell me as much or as little detail as you like, and you can even stay anonymous, like Anonymous was today. Comment on the show today at lifespringmedia.com slash s12e137. I invite your emails at steve.lifespring at gmail.com. You can try emailing me at steve at lifespringmedia.com. I did get Anonymous's email at that address today, so uh, perhaps it's working again. Uh, you can try it out. I will tell you that um, I always answer your emails. If I So if you send an email to steve at lifespringmedia.com and you don't get a response, 
it's because I didn't get your email. So go ahead and send it to steve.lifespring at gmail.com and I'll get it there. As you might guess, I'm not a big fan of Google, but uh, at least uh, Gmail seems to be fairly uh, reliable. Well, until tomorrow, thank you for being here. I so enjoy our time together. May God bless you richly. My name is Steve Webb. Bye. Bye.